Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com, we've done your homework. When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It's Friday. I love Fridays. It's Friday, April 16th, and we are very happy that you are joining us today. We are here to take the mystery out of your financial life. Oh, by the way, Mark, remember you told me after I got my second vaccine two weeks later, I would be have a pass magically show up in the Excelsior Pass program? No dice. So I've had two conversations with them on the phone and also sent a lengthy customer service email. So I'm just saying, it is not perfect. Andrew Cuomo has a lot bigger things to worry about than my um, my pass, but my Excelsior pass is non-existent. I'm carrying that card around and guarding it with my life. Let me just tell you that. It has a little two vaccines. Wasn't that the lowest tech <laughs> process? I don't know about you guys, but I was like, okay, wait, you're just writing on a card? That's it? That's the That's my proof? Yep, that was it. I'm not laminating it. Because everyone thinks if you laminate it, it's like a foe. Oh, good point. Don't laminate it, Mark says. Might have to add to it. I'm ready to get boosters, and I don't care which shot. Stick my arm. Joe's vaccine. I'll take it. Uh, All right. We have now gotten the crown for the youngest emailer. Is this right, Mark? Is this the youngest emailer ever? Okay. Well, Annabelle, also the name of one of my favorite characters from Freaky Friday. Annabelle is 13 years old and she sent an email and she writes, if I make money from a job, what should I do that would help me best save for college? Do you love this kid? She's 13 and she's thinking about college. She wants to know what bank account should I open? Also, what types of student loans should I take out if needed? Okay. First of all, love you so much, Annabelle. Thank you for writing youngest or tying for the youngest. You cannot open a a retirement account. You're too young. I think this is what I would do. I would tell your parents that you want to start saving for college and they, they should be too. Hopefully we don't know much about your parents. Have your parents open up a 529 plan and you can put a few of your little earnings into that 529 plan with your parents. How about that? 
Wouldn't that be great? And I think that's about all you should do. Right. Yes. So so your parents could open up an UGMA or an UTMA or a custodial account. They open it with you as the beneficiary. But I still like a 529. Uh, This is from Mike. I really appreciate your sensible approach to college loan debt forgiveness. I support forgiving a portion of student loans for low socioeconomic families. What has bothered me throughout this national conversation is that while our neighbors with children the same age as ours bought boats and a second home and new cars every couple of years, they took expensive vacations, they sent their kids to private school, we drove our cars to 200,000 miles, put off making upgrades to our home, traveled but kept the expenses moderate and saved so we could pay for our son's state college education. I know. This is totally the absolute conundrum. So this is what Mike says. While our boys are debt-free, they're the neighbor's children have substantial college loan debt. And to forgive that debt feels like we would be subsidizing our neighbor's extravagant lifestyle. Amen. I'm with you, Mike. I think that's crap to, to just erase it for everyone. I'm not into it. I don't like it. Mm-mm. Mark, I know how you feel. I'm not even going to ask you. Michelle writes, I just recently started listening to your podcast. It's provided me with so much great financial information so far. I'm a 33-year-old medical professional. Oh, thank you for being that professional. My husband and I combined make around $250,000 a year. Our home is worth about $400,000. Oh my God, it's paid off already. Wow. Their only debt, a $41,000 car loan at 1.9%. $41,000 car loan. That seems like a lot, doesn't it, Mark? Maybe I haven't bought a car in a long time. (laughs) Could be that. I don't know. Okay. Michelle has two young children. Thanks to very generous grandparents, which are my favorite kinds of grandparents. They already have 529 accounts and they've got a hundred grand in each of them. That's amazing. Husband and I fully fund our 401ks. Every month after taxes, we have what? Between five and $8,000 left over. Oh my God. What should we do with this money to best serve us over the long term? We've got our emergency reserve fund, 12 months of living expenses. Currently, I'm investing most of all of it into index and mutual funds through a brokerage account. That's great. Should we be doing a backdoor Roth or a traditional IRA? Should we get an annuity? No to an annuity. I think that she means when I think there's a uh, faulty ref, as my favorite English teacher used to say, when I think the it in that sentence goes back to the five to $8,000 a month, I think. So the emergency fund, we're hoping your 12 months of living expenses is in a boring bank. So when I think, when you're saying currently I'm investing most all of it, I think you're the, the antecedent of the it is the five to $8,000 a month. That's what I think. So yes, I love that index and mutual funds. Uh, do me a favor, just get rid of this 1.9% stupid car loan. I don't know why it's bugging me, but it is. 1.9% is still a depreciating asset. So let's get rid of that. Uh, yes, keep investing in taxable accounts which is good. Yes, do a backdoor Roth. I definitely would do that. Presuming you don't have an, another IRA that's floating around. $6,000 for you and the spouse, each of you, right? You each do 6,000 in a non-deductible IRA and you immediately convert it to a Roth IRA. I like that. There's no way we can kind of make the decision based on where taxes will be on this. You know, you're maxing out your retirement accounts. Let's do the Roth and that'll be good. Okay. Okie doke. 
Hello, my name is Christopher. I've been listening to your podcast for a few months now, and I'm following you on Twitter. Loving the podcast, by the way. I'm 32 years old. I love these 30-year-olds, Mark. Love it. Makes me feel somewhat relevant. Okay, I'm 32 years old now, and I've been unable to sleep for the past couple of months because I'm now constantly thinking about my financial future. Oh my God, come on. We got to get you to get a good night's sleep. Sometimes I'm overwhelmed with thoughts of it being too late to get my finances in order. Listen to the show. You want to hear about too late? We have people who have written in who are 60 years old, who completely changed their lives and, and were able to get back on track. So, okay. Now let's get back to Christopher. I grew up in a rough ghetto neighborhood in the Bronx with a single mother and limited income, went through many, many hardships. So to be honest, the money I earn, I spend it freely and carelessly to say the least. Mark, isn't that a fascinating thing? This is a, a very common occurrence that you can grow up in scarcity and you have two reactions to it. One is to be like, ah, screw it. Nothing's going to hurt me. I lived through that. I'm going to live life to the fullest. The other is, oh my God, I, I'm also in scarcity. You never know when I'm going to go back there again and you become a miser. So those are often the two reactions. Okay. So let's get back to Christopher. I'm now in a position in which year after year, I've increased my income exponentially to the point in which I have decided it is time to save and invest in mine and my daughter's future. That's great. Last year, I earned a little over $67,000 from my career and $15,000 from the side hustle. This year, I believe my income has or will be by the end of the year increased a little over 24%. Oh my God. Basically, he looks like he's going to make between ninety-five dollars and $100,000 savings. I got three grand in cash. That's it. Recently opened a Roth. I've got $4,000 for 2020. We'll max out before the tax deadline. I also look forward to maxing out the 2021 Roth before year end. I have a Roth 457 and 401k with my employer, 10 grand in each. That's good. Uh, okay. Otherwise, no other investment savings. Five-year-old daughter, and I want to help her with her financial situation. I've minimized my debt. I'm only paying off an auto loan, $300 per month, two years left. My other expensive bills are car insurance, hmm. rent, and uh, small things. I'm looking to retire from my career, but will continue working elsewhere by the age of 49. I would like to start saving and investing for my future as well as my daughter's. And I want to know how to do this. I keep telling myself I'm going to save, but then I'm out spending hundreds of dollars on things that don't matter almost every week. I am willing to stop going out and spending money carelessly indefinitely. Whatever advice you provide would be greatly appreciated. Thank you to you and your team for taking a moment to read my message. God bless. Christopher, listen up. First of all, you're writing. This is fantastic. You're starting. This is your first, this is your first step forward. Here's the deal. I think that what you can do is to consolidate some of your saving efforts. So, you know, it looks like, you know, you're doing the Roth 457, the Roth 401k, the Roth IRA. It's a lot. Okay. So what I think you need to do is this. Let's just pick one thing. Let's pick for now. You're going to max out your Roth IRA. Yeah. I don't know if, if both have a Roth option or not, but whatever has the Roth option, that's what you're going to do. So you're going to put the money into your Roth IRA and put some of the money in the Roth 457 or Roth 401k. Next, you are going to automatically, see that auto loan with two years left? I hope you're automatically paying that bill. 
That's not most importantly. And what I think you should really be doing is we've got to do, you've got to have some money that goes into that savings. See, I'm worried, Mark, because I think that unless we put the money out of payroll deduction, it's harder for him to do it once the money hits his account. Do you agree with that? I, I just sort of reading between the lines. So here's what I think you should be doing. Let's do 15% into whatever your either your Roth 457 or your Roth 401k. Now that side hustle job, that 15 grand, that has to go to funding your emergency reserve fund. Number one. So this year, all the money you make from that, that's not going to like blow it on going out and doing whatever you're doing. So if you get a tax refund, if you got a stimulus check, if anything like that, you want to make sure you take that money and you build your emergency reserve fund. So it might be helpful to you to have this as a separate savings account and every month have a couple hundred bucks go in there. You also may want to say, anytime I make money, anytime I make money from my side hustle, that is my emergency reserve fund. That's it. And that's going to be the way it goes. Again, you want six to 12 months of your living expenses in an emergency reserve fund. You want to have 15% of your pay that's going into the Roth 457 or the 401k, whichever is the Roth option, you're going to do that. Then you're going to get that done and you're going to let me know when you have that six to 12 months in the emergency reserve fund. Once you do, then we're going to start talking about the kid. Because we have to get you stable. The thing that you can do for your daughter to really make a difference is to show her that you can be financially responsible and you can actually start teaching her a little bit about this. You can say, hey, you know what? Let me, let me show you how this works. This is money. This is how we, I could spend this money on you, but we're going to put it aside. We're going to make sure that nothing bad's going to happen to us like that. And then what I would actually be thinking about is not putting money into a 529 plan or a college fund or anything like that, but to make sure that you're ultimately maxing out that Roth 457 or the Roth 401k. That is $19,500 a year. That's your next year's job. And then before you know it, the car is going to be paid off, right? And then you're going to have that extra few hundred dollars a month. And maybe at that time, maybe, maybe at that time, I would be thinking about putting money into a 529 account for your daughter. Mark says, for those of you who say we only talk to rich people, are you hearing this? Come on, we're, we're all good. Lulu writes, GG, GG. Hello, Jill and Mark. Grit has been my motto for the last couple of years of separation and divorce. Gratitude for the help of the kind ones who helped me through grieving and getting through this transition. Growth in taking on financial independence in my late 50s and now early 60s. Grace, always a prayer and a wish for all during any type of loss and our pandemic loneliness. Truly grateful in advance for your guidance. Oh my God. Okay. Let's get to Lulu. 60 years old, divorced, $195,000 a year in salary, a home with a, ah, listen to this, a $1.7 million home in the Bay Area with a $1.1 million mortgage, and it needs some repair. At the moment, $1.1 million in a 401k, $80,000 in checking. That's it. During COVID, I stopped putting funds in my 401k. Employers stopped as well. I needed more cash to pay the high mortgage with a cash out. Rotten COVID caused a salary reduction hit at the same time. 
Thankfully, I didn't lose my job. Salary's back. Good. I refinanced a 30-year fix, three and a quarter percent. A lot of growth and grace working that all out as an older woman who never handled the married finances. Good for you. Lulu, I'm loving my financial freedom now that the stress of the divorce and COVID are lessening. I've got two wonderful kids in their 20s, one out of college, heading to law school, one taking a break from college who lives with me. Kids are my priority. I want to help them financially in the future and not be a burden to them. Oh, can I just have a moment for that? I want to help them financially in the future and not be a financial burden to them. Can I just say that for most of us, the best thing you can do is to actually not be a financial burden to your kids is how you're going to help them financially in the future. That's really important. 401k financial advisor suggesting I put 100, 150 or 200,000 in an annuity. Should I? No, you should not. You need liquidity. There's no way that you should be doing that. And that is not as financial advisor. That is a salesman. Terrible. I received a small bonus recently. I'm considering investing in dividend paying stocks. Should I? I mean, I think you should just use index funds, you know, stock and bond index funds and call it a day. Don't worry about long-term care. Okay. And no, you're not helping with law school. You're just not going to do this right now. Okay, Lulu. And here's why you are still getting back on your feet financially. I know that sounds crazy, gang, but like this is one of those cases where you're still in transition. So you've got a very expensive house that needs repairs and you don't have that much money in cash. So as far as I'm concerned, you got to keep working. No, you can't help with law school right now. You just can't, unless you're telling me you're going to sell the house and downsize and take money out. And you're not going to do that because obviously you just put, you just went through this whole refinancing, no money in an annuity, no law school right now. Okay. I'm grateful for your question. And I, I understand that these transitions are pretty intense. I just want to be clear that you don't have the, you don't have the wherewithal right this second to make this decision. Uh, to help the kid out with law school. Okay. Kat says, hi, Jill and Mark. Thanks for all the podcasts. I'm dropping you a note to say that the movie Nomadland might be of interest to you. I saw it. It was great. It deals with the human side of retirement planning and poverty among the elderly. It was amazing. I was thinking of your podcast and all your retirement advice as I was watching the movie, not suggesting you become a movie reviewer, podcast or something, but the movie spoke to me and I think you would appreciate it. I watched it. I loved it. Frances McDormand is one of my favorites. She lives in my neighborhood. I do sometimes spy her in my grocery store and it's an amazing movie. I suggest, Mark, did you see it? Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Uh, Okay. Let's see. Mike writes, you ask often for reviews. I don't ask that often. <laughs> Mark, make this a review. Uh, listen for approximately a year via podcast, sometimes on the weekend radio show. You're a part of a larger group of Barron's Magazine, All Worth Money Matters, Bob Brinker's Market Timer, and Vanguard Live Forums and Podcasts. Add to that list Ed Yordani, whose books I've read and follow him on Barron's. Your show I will pile up and listen to on long walks, long trips in the car. I enjoy the show with live guests. You're quick. You're highly relational, extremely engaging. Mark, this sounds so weird when I read this. Extremely engaging, and you have a wide berth of knowledge in this field. I like the length of the podcast. It's rapid fire, which I like. Your views on most issues align with what I believe, which is why you like me. 
<laughs> and I've learned a few new principles from you. The part I like best is a joy to witness when you go off the rails. You snap instantly and love the honesty. Some hosts are afraid to offend, not you. <laughs> the off the rails segments are never planned, but when you hear it, love the spontaneity. Easy to tell when money wrongs have crossed the line with you. One more positive. You're quick on basic questions before you do the math. You also have a strong feel for a need for a CFP or do-it-yourselfers. I manage our retirement monies I have for 35 years. It's always better to have a wide path of information. It's a treacherous game at times. It feels like you're helpful to most. They trust you. The interaction with Mark adds an interesting dimension. I was a long follower of Bob, longtime follower of Bob Brinker on his radio show. For a couple of decades, you align close to his and John Bogle's principles. Oh boy, what, what this is putting me into like a pretty high level of uh, people, Mark. Bob was a market watcher for sure. His core and your core is similar. You engage well. Thanks, Mike in Arizona. We're loving you, Mike. Thanks for the review. It's very nice. Shelby writes, thank you for giving me confidence and being a great model for female advisors. All right. Okay, Shelby writes. I'm fresh out of college. I've just begun a career as a financial advisor. I love my company. I interviewed at many places. I was so happy to land at a place that cares about clients above everything else and focuses on financial planning. But like most of the industry, the company is predominantly male. I found your podcast right after I got the news that my female mentor is leaving and listening to you give advice has been so instrumental to help me and my confidence and my style of talking to clients. And while there's nothing wrong with the men in my office, having a woman in the industry to look up to who is smart, straightforward, and empathetic has made me feel like I really do have a place in the industry. Thanks for all you do. All the best, Shelby. Mark, that is a place to end. There's the button of the episode. Wow. Shelby, boy, is that nice. I don't know what to say. I'm very like verklempt right now from the, all these nice notes. Thank you, Shelby. Keep, keep up the fight. Now, uh, we need more women in the industry. We need more people of color in the industry. That's what I'm saying right now. Stop talking about it and do it. I want to hear this nonsense from these white dudes who are like, no, I can't find anyone. Well, cast your net wider. Let's go. Come on now, gang. Everybody knows that this is actually a business that can really afford to have many more different voices. It's not that I dislike white dudes. I, I mean, many white men have been the greatest cheerleaders in my career, but there's lots of different kinds of people out there and we want to provide good examples for everyone. So men, women, anybody out there listening, come on now, non-gender specific, non-binary people. I don't care. Let's get you into the financial services industry. We need more good people. So please, please, please come join us. It would be fun. All right. Now, here we go. This is it. This is our Friday episode. It's been a long one. We're going to have great episodes this weekend. So don't worry. As always, we want you to wash your hands, to wear your masks, to maintain your physical distancing and do something nice for someone else today. Look at what a good mood I'm in just because of your emails saying such nice things to me and Mark. We are just a hundred percent here for you. We want you to know that we don't exist. This show does not exist without you. I think I said this recently, but I just want to say again that um, a podcast company came and approached us and asked us whether we would move the podcast to a different company, but they really wanted to do that if we would stop with this, um, all the stuff we do 
right now, which is basically like, are you sure you really just want to answer questions all the time? I don't know. I think, yeah, I think right now I do. So it was very nice to be tapped on the shoulder and asked to, to dance, but it was also nice to say, you know what? I really like the partners I have. They're the ones listening to this show and that's you. So thank you very much. Thank you for listening. Grit, growth, grace, gratitude for all. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.